kids that are a part of the teaching class, they're going to meet Miss Carolyn in the back, and she's going to take them today. And then they're going to come back and join us um, after our teaching time. Last week, we continued our discussion about accountability and our responsibility to fight sin. We said that accountability is necessary because Scripture tells us that sin is crouching at our door. It's seeking to cling to us and that ultimately Scripture presents uh, the best means, the best uh, way to defeat sin is through a team effort. It's through us uh, working together to run from sin and to run to Righteousness. We said accountability is not a fear tactic to try to change behavior, and it's not a performance tactic where we try to please man or try to impress God with our obedience. Instead, we said last week that accountability is our church's effort to pursue sanctification together. We run from sin together. We run to righteousness together. Um, and Second Timothy two twenty two talks about. That responsibility for us to find others who share those same desires that we have. Our church's effort to take sin seriously by giving an account to each other and then walking together to the throne of God's grace. So it's not a an opportunity for us to um, promote ourselves as far as how we're doing in obedience. It's not a time to wallow in self-pity because we've experienced defeat. Instead, it's an opportunity for us to be open and honest with each other. And then walk to the throne of God's grace together where we experience forgiveness, where we experience a proper perspective of our obedience as we see Christ's perfect obedience for us. We said that in our accountability times together, we want to attack the why as much as the what. It's not just attacking behavior. It's attacking the motivation behind the behavior. Why do we choose to sin and try to examine some of those heart motivations for what we're doing? We want to live faithfully by exposing every attempt of our flesh to harbor sin and darkness. And then we described what our accountability times together need to look like. That we want to emphasize meeting together, confessing together, praying together, and encouraging each other together. Continually drawing us back to the gospel. And I posted the article uh, yesterday that maybe you've had a chance to read. Uh, that again just reminds us of how important it is for the gospel to be central as we seek to fight sin both individually and within our groups. Uh, it helps free us from guilt and discouragement and also protects us from legalism that we're not uh, trying to be obedient to earn God's favor. It's the big difference between us and other religions. It's the big difference between us and Mormons. As, we, as me and Lauren were talking with the girls that came to our house this week, uh, their perspective is that they have to continue to be obedient to earn God's favor. That's why they do the things that they do. Um, it's not that Christ's work is sufficient. It's not that Christ's work takes care of everything. It's Christ's work plus our effort, our work as well. And we've got to be reminded uh, that that's not the case, that we don't believe that. And it protects us from legalism. We talked about two efforts that, that we need to have together in trying to fight sin, that we develop roadblocks for each other, things that are going to protect us from the behavior that we're trying to get rid of, but then also confronting lies, helping to uh, expose the reasons that we're doing the things that we're doing. And we talked about the two um, stories from mythology about the guy, the, the, the crews that were going by the sirens, and then they were calling out to the men to come to the beach. The one guy had bound himself to the ship so that he could not go, even though he wanted to. The other ship 
had, had played better music to where it kept the men on board. And we want to see both in our accountability relationships where there are um, parameters set up to keep us from sin, but then also tuning our ears to the goodness of Jesus so that we have a decreasing desire to want to sin. We talked about some ways to avoid failure uh, in our groups. We want to be faithful to meet. We want to elevate heart change above behavior change because that will lead to behavior change. Uh, We want to take responsibility for our sin. We don't blame uh, the people that we meet with if we're not finding victory over our sin. You're responsible for the choices that you make, not your accountability group. Um, Want to be clear with others about how they can help us. How can others encourage you? How can others encourage uh, your fight against sin? Telling them your expectations for what you want to see them do in your life so that they can uh, try to be that for you. Instead of keeping that to yourself and just assuming that people are going to know to call you or to text you or to uh, do certain things for you in your fight against sin. And then lastly, we talked about working to be open and honest. And then we we ended last week with some time for you to share, some time for you to um, pose any questions that maybe you have. And that led me to thinking through some more things this week that I think are important for us to clarify as we try to uh, move forward with accountability in our church and, and, and how to make sure that it's done right and how it doesn't become a tool for the enemy to destroy what we're trying to do here. Um, and so Maggie posed uh, a concern and a question last week about how we're going to guard our church against gossip. Because as we begin to be honest about things going on in our life, the, the, the enemy would love nothing more than to use that information, to get that information out and allow our flesh to use that information in a destructive way. Where we begin to destroy others to try to build ourselves up. And, and information begins to circulate that is not necessary, that's not needed, that's not healthy. And it destroys the trust within these groups. And so we want to, to kind of spend some time discussing this today um, and trying to work through it some together. Now, I'm going to write down four questions on the board, and then I'm going to split you guys up into uh, smaller groups for you to discuss these questions. So we're going to do guy, girl, guy groups, girl groups. doesn't have to be your C groups. doesn't have to be your accountability groups. You're just going to find some guys around you, some girls around you, and uh, we're going to discuss these questions together. Okay. The first question that I want us to, um, to look at Is how would you define gossip? What does that word mean? And the second part of that question is how might it be different? Difference not spelled with an F on the end. Different from the word slander, but mainly focus on this part of the question. Um, 
And then based on your definition, do you believe you've gossiped in the past? And if so, were you convicted of it? Maybe you can share some examples in your group. Not details. Let's don't continue the aspect of gossiping by sharing the last time that I gossiped. I was talking about this and this and this. So share examples, but don't get into details. Um, Third question is, Why does gossip not always feel wrong? So I'd say a lot of times when we do participate in gossip, we probably don't feel convicted about it. So why does gossip not always feel wrong? What are some reasons for why maybe we would be participating in gossip and not feel convicted about it? What might be some reasons that that lead it to not feel wrong? And then um, what are... What are some excuses we use to justify our gossip? So if somebody were to maybe say, hey, let's don't gossip. What are some excuses that maybe we use to explain, oh, this isn't gossip. Like, like gossip's different than what we're doing right here. Like what are some, some excuses, some, some justifications that we use to excuse our activity to where it's not defined as gossip? What we're doing is different than gossip. What are some Excuses that we might use, some motivations uh, that we would use to continue in that activity and not consider it to be wrong. Okay, so we're going to start with those four questions. I've got some other questions that we're going to work through as a group together. But I wanted to give you guys some time to work through these things on your own, see what you come up with, and then we'll discuss them together. So... All right, let's discuss some of this stuff together. First, before we look at these questions and then explore some other questions that uh, come up within this, I want us to look at these three verses together um, to try to gain a better understanding of what these words mean. So in Romans one twenty nine, it's talking about the, the depravity of man, the sin of man, and... Um, Verse 28, it says, since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. So gossip is lumped in with a lot of other detestable type behavior. In 2 Corinthians 12:20, For I fear that perhaps when I come I may find you not as I wish, and that you may find me not as you wish, that perhaps there may be quarreling, 
jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. So Paul talking about the condition of the Corinthian church. And then in 1 Timothy 5.13, this is talking about how to take care of widows in the church. And it's talking about those who uh, are at an age where they could still get married, still have things that, that they could be doing rather than just simply serving in the church and being supported by the church. And one of the cautions that's offered here is besides that, they learn to be idlers going about from house to house. Not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying what they should not. Um, so we see that scripture has some things to say about gossip. Uh, and then uh, slander was also mentioned uh, within the Romans passage. What are some thoughts, definitions that you guys have on what gossip actually is? And then if you've got anything that ties in with slander, you can share that too. Any thoughts on how to define what gossip is? If we can define it, we can better recognize when it's happening within the context of this church. Okay, gossip, sharing information with wrong motive, with the wrong type of people, slander being a little bit more intentional in its desire to destroy. Any other thoughts on gossip and slander or specifically what gossip is? Okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let her tell you you're not. <laughs> um, talk okay. Anybody else? I think it's helpful to understand the definitions of these two terms. I mean, you can use them interchangeably if you want, but they are different. And I think it's important to know the difference so that we know what we're doing, because I think, I think most of us would, would maybe, I would hope that slander is not as rampant as what gossip is. Slander, if you understand the, the English term and the English definition, and then even where we translate slander in scripture, it always carries the idea of false information. So it's not just passing along true information about somebody and it destroying them. It's making things up. 
it's exaggerating maybe something that is true or just flat out making something up that's not true with the purpose of destruction. So slander carries more of a there's motivation to accomplish something in this. Now, I would hope that we're not going to struggle with slander in our accountability groups where individuals are seeking intently, like thinking through, how could I destroy this person with my words? That's what slander is. Uh, Slander, whenever you see that typically in your English translation, the word that's in the Greek is a word used for the devil, a false accuser. So slander has more the idea what I'm talking about is not even true. Like I'm making stuff up to change your opinion about so-and-so. Now, I would hope that for the most part, we are not guilty of that type of behavior. That is very unbecoming of a believer, of a follower of Christ. I think gossip is a lot easier for us to fall into because it doesn't, it doesn't come from that same planned out type mindset. It's kind of like what Angela was saying. It's it's idle discussion. It's just simply talking to talk about things that you know, sharing it with individuals. Um, It can be from the wrong motive. It can be from a desire to to promote self, make me look better in your eyes than so-and-so. But but what gossip really is, it's sharing true information. It's, It's a bad motive. I'm not doing it to help the person. I'm not doing it to help you. I'm doing it a lot of times to change your opinion about somebody, to make myself look better. But it's not as it's not the same as slander. Slander is much more destructive because it's making up things that aren't even true. It's it's really destructive because I'm I'm trying to destroy you because I can't maybe find something to talk about with you. And we see some of that in Scripture where guys were living faithful, holy lives. Individuals hated them and had to come up with ways to destroy them. So that's what slander is. Gossip, it's idle discussion. And I kind of wrote down a definition. Um, and it, it, I think it stays true to some of the things that you guys were sharing. It's idle discussion of information that's neither helpful to the person that's hearing it or to the person that it's about. It's idle discussion. So kind of like what Angel was saying, it's not going anywhere. It's not seeking to accomplish really anything. It's simply, here's some news for you. Here's some, 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 some entertainment for you. Here's some, something for us to discuss, to dialogue about. Uh, it's true information. It's not helping you by hearing it, though. And it's not helping the person that we're talking about. I think that's a good understanding of what gossip is. It's idle discussion. We're just kicked back, sitting around. Uh, I'm thinking about it because I heard about it. I'm going to share it with you, engage in conversation with you about it. But there's no intent to really do anything with the information. Um, it's not helpful now that you know about it. It's not that like this person is now better for it. And the person that was being discussed, they've not really been helped either. But now the person that's been told this has negative information about somebody. It will naturally shape their view and perspective on that person. Okay, so that's kind of a... Uh, Maybe a basic definition for what gossip is. The, the Greek words that we looked at, that, that were in the verses that we looked at, it's a puffing up of the soul, it's pride, it's loftiness, it's a tattler, it's a whisperer. 
Um, and so, again, it's, it's carrying true information. Now, the, the moment that it becomes lies, things that aren't true, now we've entered into slander. And the motivation has gotten even worse because now there is a real motivation to destroy. Gossip can happen not really necessarily with the intent to destroy. And that kind of leads me into the second question. Do you believe you've gossiped in the past and are you ever convicted of gossiping? Give an example. An example for me recently. I wasn't convicted of it at the time. I don't believe that it was done in any way to harm the individual that was being talked about. It was passing on of information, but it was neither helpful to me nor helpful to the person involved because really no action was intended to take place except for maybe pray for this person. Um, The person that I was dialoguing with, they were sharing with me information about somebody from uh, our youth group at Mount Gilead, they were sharing um, information from a real saddened perspective. Like, I'm troubled by what's going on in the life of this person. Tragedy has happened to them. Things are going on. It's not good for them. But it's a person that I haven't talked to in a long time. Don't have any intentions really to talk to any time in the future just because our past don't cross. Uh, they weren't in the youth group very long when I was there. And... It was not helpful to that person because now I know their business. And in fact, I felt vindicated about some things, unfortunately, almost like, see, I was right about this. This is what should have, you know, I felt vindicated. And so that was my motivation to continue to want to hear it because I felt vindicated about things that I had tried to do in the past. Uh, but I don't think the person intended to bring destruction to this person. And so that kind of goes into why does gossip not always feel wrong? Because I didn't feel like this person was motivated to destroy this person. They were passing along information because they care about this person. And, and I care about this person, but not in the sense of we're just not friends anymore. Like, we don't, I don't talk to this person anymore. So I was, I was sensitive to the situation. Like, I didn't like what I was hearing. I was troubled for this person. But I, I confessed to Tyson. I said, I haven't really prayed for that person since I heard it. Because I don't think about this person. I don't, I don't, I'm not involved in this person's life. So it was simply idle discussion. It was, here's what's going on in the life of so-and-so, passing this along to you. I think the person that was sharing it was very troubled about it, very saddened about it. In fact, this person is involved in the situation trying to help it and resolve it. Me, not so much. So I participated in gossip by participating in the conversation with no real intent to help the situation. It was, it was um, entertainment for my ears in a sense. Here's the, here's the latest gossip about so-and-so. I felt vindicated myself, unfortunately, about things. And, and I believe it was wrong for me to participate in that conversation. That's something recent. I can't imagine how often I participate in those type of conversations where I just don't feel convicted Because it doesn't feel wrong. Because maybe the motivation isn't like what we talked about with slander. It's not that somebody's necessarily destroying, trying to destroy. Now, I think some destruction happened in the sense that my perspective has changed about the individuals that were talked about. But I don't think that was necessarily the intent by the person. And I think that maybe is why sometimes it doesn't always feel wrong. Now, why is that relevant to us? Because... There's going to be temptation to share things with each other that's going on in the lives of each other. And it may not be motivated 
from a desire to slander, to destroy, to, to lie, to cut at this person. It may be some in the sense of, I just want to promote myself, want to look better, want to make you think that I'm better than I am kind of thing. So I'm going to share with you some negative information about somebody. But it really could be a situation where somebody's really concerned about somebody, idly discusses that situation, but simply is just passing on information to you. And no real action is taken. Um, what were some reasons maybe you guys came up with for why it doesn't feel wrong? Did everybody kind of agree that we've participated at it at some point in the past? I, mean, I don't think anybody would say that you've never gossiped. I would tend to think that we gossip a lot more than we realize we do. So what are some reasons that maybe it doesn't always feel wrong? Okay. Okay. It's one of those sins that unfortunately a lot of times is just kind of accepted. Like, this just happens, this just goes on. It's not always identified. Yeah, we we participate it we participate in it so often in other avenues of our life that when it's happening within our church within the Christian context, we're so involved in it maybe in other areas that it just feels natural. Um, like you said, with our fascination with what's going on in the lives of uh, of um, celebrities, um, I think even there's some motivation potentially there with Facebook, like getting on social media, find out what's going on in the lives of other people. Um, and then sharing that information. Now, granted, they, they're making it public. They're, you know, they're proclaiming it. Uh, but I think sometimes our motivation for even getting on social media is, is for the sake of, I just like knowing what's going on in other people's lives. It just entertains me. So then it becomes natural to just fall into that trap of, let me entertain you with some people that you know. Uh, you know, some people that are in your life. Here's some stuff going on in, in, in their life. So, yeah, I think that. Because it's tolerated in other areas, it's very natural to just continue to tolerate it in the life of the church. Yep. I think it's hard for people like me who are external processors. I want to talk about something really weird if I'm not hashing it out. And so to figure out how we feel about a certain situation and what we should do about it, we want to bounce it off other people. Okay. Yeah. And we're going to talk about how to do that without it being gossip. Because there is a real need at times to hash things out, to, to seek wisdom about how to handle something. Uh, and there's a way to do it, I believe, without it being gossip. Uh, when, when it becomes, I'm just going to talk to you because you happen to be here, and I'm going to bounce it off of you and, and hash it out with you, then it can very easily fall into gossip if it's you're just here kind of person. Like, you know, we just happen to be riding together or... Uh, I was meeting you for lunch anyways, and so I'm, this is on my mind right now. That's when it can very easily fall into gossip if it's not handled intentionally before it's discussed, and it's just, hey, I'm hanging out with you. Let me talk to you about what's going on. Then it can very easily become gossip fast. But, yeah, that's a, uh, a reason why it doesn't always feel wrong is because it, maybe it's, it's motivated by a desire to hash it out, and 
figure out how you should do something and wanting the advice of somebody. This is a this is a big concern for me in thinking through like how we as elders handle this because you know I was telling I was telling Tyson this week I said it can't be gossip if people in the church are talking about something and it not be gossip just because elders are doing it that that elders can be guilty of gossip and I think it's even more possible for us to excuse it because it's, well, we're the shepherds of the church. We need to know what's going on in the lives of everybody in our church so that we can faithfully minister to them. And there's definitely aspects of trueness to that, but it can be very easy for elders to fall into gossip because of the information that's available in leading a church. And that's something that we have to work through to make sure that we're not guilty of that. Any other thoughts on why it doesn't always feel wrong? You know, I think, too, it doesn't always have to be that both individuals are intending to gossip. I think, you know, one individual comes with maybe the right motivation. I want to hash it out or I, want, I need wisdom, but it turns into gossip for the other person. You know, I'm not really here to give you wisdom on it. I just want to hear the information. Um, so, you know, I think you know, that kind of plays into it, too. And, and I think we have to guard other people from falling into gossip even if our motivations are right, like picking and choosing the type of people that we're having those type of discussions with to protect them from falling into gossip potentially too. I mean, because I might be standing at, in McDonald's ordering, you know, just going about my business. Tyson walks in and says, you're not going to believe what, what, you know, this. And all of a sudden I'm participating in gossip, but, man, I wasn't motivated to, to be in this. You know, I was just 
doing my own thing. And Tyson walks in and boom, starts gossiping. And then I'm kind of drawn into it. And my motivation wasn't to destroy somebody or to actively try to ruin their reputation. I just happened to, you know, be prey to somebody coming and, and gossiping towards me. And we're going to talk at the end about how to address a situation where somebody is engaging in gossip and you don't want to be in it. Like, how do we handle that? So we're going to talk about that in a minute, too. All right, so those were the four questions I wanted you guys to kind of discuss to get our, our brains on the same page, hopefully, about talking about gossip. Um, it's, it's extremely relevant to the fact that we are trying to pursue accountability, which necessitates honesty and confession and the sharing of things going on in our lives, but needing to know that they're going to be protected and not become the idle discussion of church members. A couple other questions that I want to uh, get you guys to uh, work through with me. What motivates your heart to share gossip? And then what, what motivates your heart to hear gossip? What motivates your heart to share gossip? And what motivates your heart to hear gossip? So let's talk about some of the motivations behind our desire to participate in gossip. Why do we share gossip and why do we enjoy hearing gossip? Any thoughts on that? What else? What motivates us to share it? What motivates us to hear it?
Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's sad that uh, we're definitely more inclined to share the bad than the good. You know, we don't, we're typically not tempted to share, like, just tons of good information about people. You know, find out that so-and-so may be getting a new job, so, you know, promotion. Like, we're not typically tempted to run out and just start sharing that with people. And then if, you know, if we do have a situation where someone's sharing good news, I know I'm less inclined to pick for more details about it. You know, Tyson may come to me and say, hey, man, this is happening. So-and-so's life, things are going good. It's like, oh, great. That's awesome. He comes to me and says, man, so this is going on in so-and-so's life. It's like, oh, give me the details about how that's playing out. You know, like I typically don't search for the details about good information that's shared with me. And that, that's certainly like a picture of, of the, the flesh sin that's still a part of me until Jesus comes back that I've got to fight against. Is that I'm way more inclined to want the details about bad situations than about the good situations. Um, because I think there's not really much of a platform when, when everything's going good in that topic of conversation. I don't need to share how I would have done it or, or anything like that, because obviously how it's being done is working type of thing. Um, and I think we, we should be aware of that, that uh, in trying to identify gossip in our life, looking at some of the motivations to realize how unfaithful we are to share good news about people. Uh, things that people tell us that they probably do want to be shared with other people. We're very uh, unlikely to carry that information. And when we hear that type of information, we're very unlikely to poke for more details about it, uh, to rejoice in it. Uh, typically, it's just, okay, great, come back to me when, when something bad's going on in that person's life, and then, then we can really get into a good conversation. I don't think it would be listed as bad. And I would say, no. I mean, I guess it could be. It could just be, hey, I'm just sharing information, if that's how we want to define it. Um, but it, it certainly wouldn't be from a negative standpoint, because if it's good news, then um, encouragement sh- should be happening, the betterment of somebody else. Like, I'm, I'm rejoicing in what they're doing kind of thing. Any other thoughts on what motivates us to share it, what motivates us to hear it? Okay, yeah, just bored. I think uh, some of us, and this kind of plays on personality, some of us like to be the guy that's always got the good story. I mean, for those of you that listened to Brian Regan before, he talks about how sometimes you can be at a dinner party and people are like trying to compete with each other about how who's got the best story of the night. And so some of it's motivated by... I just want to be known as the person that's always got, like, good stories, like, good information. Like, I can carry a conversation well. I've got uh, appealing information. Now, that's not true for all of us. Some of us don't have that type of personality. I have that type of of, of desire. I want to be the person bringing really good information to the table when when we're sitting around talking. Um, Some of you don't struggle with that, but I think that's an even separate type of motivation. Like, I just want to be the bearer of, of news, and I want people's focus and attention on me um, as the one who can bring good information. Any other thoughts on what motivates us to hear it, to share it? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, desire to be vindicated in the eyes of others or even to have people uh, feel sorry for you or to pity you for the situation that you're in. It all has to do with attention on, on us. Yeah, trying to be funny is uh, people that like to be funny always have to fight against the temptation of crossing lines, whether it's in that term, in that regard, as far as sharing information that shouldn't be shared, whether it's becoming inappropriate uh, like that. That's always a, a struggle. It's it's hard to be known as being funny without crossing lines a lot of times, because in your desire to be funny, you have to push the limit sometimes. And that could definitely lead to uh forms of gossip in that. And even the desire to maybe have new information that other people don't have. Right, like, you know, oh, just. Yeah, you forgot about that too that everybody else doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if somebody says they have a secret, I want to know it. I mean, I, I love having. And I've noticed, like, Maggie's kind of the same way too. I mean, if, if not this Maggie, but Maggie McLeod, like, if she sees you whispering about something or trying to talk in a way that she can't hear you. Uh, it's immediately, what were y'all talking about? What were y'all saying? I mean, Jen whispered something to me in the nursery, and she's like, she told her, she said, I know what you said to Uncle Adam. Uh, I mean, she didn't. But, I mean, there's, I mean, that starts early. Just a desire. I want to know information. I want to have information that other people aren't supposed to have. And uh, for some reason, that, that's appealing and gratifying to us. Um, Uganda's calling. Let's take it. Hello? Okay, now talk. Okay, am I on speakerphone? Yeah, I think we're good. Okay, Is it coming through? Um, what? There we go. Okay. Yes, you like, I'm on speakerphone right now. Yeah, you like that stuff? Hey, Chris. How's everybody doing? It's doing good. 
we, we thought about, we were sitting in church this morning, and we said, we better call you guys, but of course it's, I don't even know what time it is here, it's about seven. But everything's going good, man. Everything's going but good. We've made a lot of leeway. We took the police back today. They've been visiting with the boys and stuff. So I'll let you speak to Luke right quick. Okay. Hey, Luke. Hey, man. Hey, uh, you need to call your dad. All right, I will. He uh, he called this morning wanting to know if you were doing okay because he said he hadn't heard from you in a while. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll definitely give him a ring. Thanks for calling me, man. <laughs> he called the old Sovereign Hope yeah, Church uh, number. Did he? Did he? Yeah. <laughs> I gotcha. Man. What are you guys man, doing tonight? Hey, good morning, Sovereign Hope. This is Innocent Sovereign Hope. How are you? What? No, this is Innocent. Oh, Innocent, hey! Hey, how are you? How are y'all? We are good, how are you? Good, good. We have been praying for you, and thank you so much for your help, and, um, the team which has come here has just done a wonderful job, so we, we shall be meeting this one the next day. So please come and visit and let them come back again. That's great. We've been praying for you guys, too. All right. Thank you. Love you. Bye. See ya. Hey, guys. Hey, Jessica. It's a uh, <laughs> uh, We miss you. Hey, we but miss you all, too. Yeah, it's going good. Can you hear us? Hey. Hello? Yeah. What are you talking about? Oh, the ones that were with you. Um, Simon and Dad. Oh, okay. The ones that are not here in a couple of years. Gotcha. They came for change. They're in school right now, so they can't come very often. Gotcha. Hey, what time does y'all's plane land on Wednesday? Um, Thursday. Yes, noon. It lands at noon? Yes. Okay. Thanks for calling. All right, take care, guys. All right, Bye. see. You. Bye. All right. Good deal. All right. Um, will you let Carolyn know that if she finishes, she can bring him back in? All right. Let's turn to Philippians two real quick. I want to share a couple things, and then um, I want to work through a couple of ways. 
that we need to handle things in our groups properly. And um, then we're going to spend some time worshiping together. Philippians 2, verse 3. Now, this is a passage that we looked at a ton. For those of us from Mount Gilead, um, we examined you know, the whole book of Philippians, but we spent a lot of time in chapter 2. I think Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 gives us a, uh, a clue as to how to fight tendencies to gossip. Um, it says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. So it starts off by telling us to do nothing from uh, selfish ambition or uh, some translations say rivalry. It's the idea of selfishness. It's the idea of advancing yourself through the pulling down of others. So Paul says, don't do anything that would seek to promote yourself by tearing other people down. So whether that's like what Ben shared about talking about other departments so that uh, you as an individual look better, tearing down other individuals, talking about what's going on in their life, poor choices that they've made to help highlight choices that you're making as being better. All that stuff is, is, is the opposite of what Paul's telling us to do here. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or from rivalry, where essentially you see other people as your rival, your competition, and you're to battle against them uh, by promoting yourself. So don't do things out of that motivation or conceit. And the Greek word for conceit is, or the meaning of it is empty glory. Don't do anything where you're trying to tear other people down, ultimately out of a motivation of conceit, where you're trying to get glory for yourself. Instead, it says, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Now, this is where the word hooper echo comes from that uh, some people have on shirts that we made up back then. Uh, the, the concept of hooper echo is count others more significant. The word hooper echo is the more significant Greek word. Count others as better than yourself, as more valuable than yourself, as superior to yourself. So we have the tendency to do the opposite. We see other people as better than us, and we try to tear them down. Paul says, make other people better than you. Highlight that fact. Elevate them in the eyes of other people. He says, essentially, we should be working to promote other people in the eyes of other people. To where other people look better than us. So, um, you know, just because Ben was one of the last to share, it's him lifting up people in other departments to where they look better than him in his department. It's fighting to promote others, to highlight the good in others, to count them as better than yourselves, and to do things to show that to other people, that these people are better than me. I count them more valuable than me. It's the same word that's used in how we're to submit ourselves to kings because they're supreme. They're, they're, they're of more value than us. Paul says you're to consider the common person that you interact with daily like a king. That they're supreme. They're better. So we don't tear those people down. We seek to lift them up in the eyes of others. Um, we have to fight for this because this is not our natural tendency. 1 Corinthians 13 also provides some good encouragement and we talked about this when we were working through um, Philippians as well. But in 1 Corinthians 13, it's the, the, the passage on love, we'll look at specifically at verse 7 to remind you of some of the things that we talked about a long time ago. 
It says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and it endures all things. That idea of bears all things, the, the Greek meaning of what that is, is it, it's an idea of keeping things confidential, covering up things, covering things in a cloak of silence out of love. It's the idea of trying to cover up, not cover up sin to protect somebody and keep that hidden, but to try to cover up the flaws in other people, to have a desire to keep it confidential. I was, I was uh, talking to Spencer, one of our external elders, about this passage, and, and in his notes when he was studying through Philippians, he likened it to his wife walking into a room without her clothes on. And his desire to cover her and protect her from anybody seeing her exposed like that. Wanting to protect her from, from talk and, 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 and people gazing at her and, and lusting after her. It's wanting to protect her and surround her because he loves her. And the idea here is that we're to have that type of love for each other, especially in this church, where our motivation is not to share the flaws of others, but to seek to keep them as confidential as possible, to cover it up, to deal with it. Like, obviously, like Spencer would say, like, my wife needs to put clothes on. Like, we got to deal with this, but I want to keep this as confidential as possible until it's taken care of. So within your accountability groups, it's, okay, there's sin that needs to be dealt with, but I want to keep this covered up as we're trying to fix it so that other people don't have to know about it. Because the mindset is, we're going to fix this. And so other people will never have to know about this because it'll get fixed. We're going to work through this right and not have to involve other people. It's the, it's the uh, process we see in church discipline in Matthew 18. You progressively have to tell more people, but the intent is to tell as few people as possible until the situation's fixed. So if someone sins against you, you go and try to work it out. If they, if they repent and, and they turn, then, then it's done with, and you don't tell anybody else about it. If they don't listen, you bring two or three more. Then you eventually have to go to the church. But it's like the last resort. The, the, the idea is that the church should not have to know about this. And they only get brought into it if, if it's not getting fixed. We've got to keep that mindset to avoid gossip. That we're trying to cover it up, not expose it. Alright, so some questions to, to work through for practical application for us as we try to run to accountability and run from gossip. How should we address repeated unchanging sin in our groups? This, this is something that could potentially pop up. In your accountability groups, you're talking with somebody, you're dealing with somebody um, who has confessed sin, but it's just not getting any better. Change is not happening. How do we faithfully address it, even though we may not feel qualified? And then does there come a point where we have to bring other people into it? Some things to consider in a situation where somebody in your group is not seemingly repenting and turning from sin first thing I would say is that you have to differentiate between sin and preference. Differentiate between sin and preference. There are some issues that will come up in accountability relationships that are more preference than clear-cut right-wrong. 
some of those things that, that I kind of jotted down that sometimes I want to impose upon other people that I have to remind myself there's freedom for them to do it in a way they feel best would be um, how they spend their money, how they date. Like if you're dealing with somebody who's got a boyfriend or a girlfriend, maybe they're doing things in a way that you wouldn't do them. Hey, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be holding her hand before you're engaged or I wouldn't be doing this. That's wise counsel. There can be wise counsel in that, a lot of wisdom that could be sought from that. But sometimes we have to recognize that people won't always take our counsel, won't always accept what we think is our wisdom, and we don't hold them at fault for that and think that because they're making these choices, it's now sinful. We want to make sure that when we're really concerned about somebody, that it's a sin issue, not a preference issue. Everybody kind of clear on that? Um, and then you could say even like some free activities like uh, drinking, uh, you know, just the use of alcohol, uh, the use of tobacco. We're going to disagree potentially on should we do it, should we not do it. But we don't want to impose standards on others just because it's a standard that we have for ourselves or our family. Um, so you want to differentiate between sin and preference. Be sensitive to uh, a person's heart and their desire to fight. And don't just focus on their behavioral efforts. Okay, so um, you're meeting with somebody, they seemingly continue to do the same sin. Like it's not going away. But in meeting with them, they've got a real heart desire to stop it. And they're trying to take steps to get it out of their life. They're trying to set up some of these roadblocks. But they're still falling into it. That's somebody who's fighting but still being defeated by it. But they're putting forth effort to fight it. There's been people that I've met with that say they want sin out of their life, say they want to fight it, but they're not really doing anything to stop it. Those are two different people. One person who's still defeated by it, still uh, trying to find victory and not finding a whole lot, but their heart desire is coming out in meeting, and you can tell that, man, they are, they are fighting this, and they're going to get victory down the road, but they may not be seeing victory right now. But that guy's different than the guy who is just accepted defeat. Like, I can't beat this. I, I can't find victory over this. Um, so you want to speak truth to people that are, that are trying to fight sin. And when it becomes a situation where you believe the person is no longer fighting, um, it's appropriate to tell that person that you may have to seek and possibly bring into involvement the elders of this church. Um, that it becomes a church discipline type thing where someone is involved in sin, not preference, but involved in sin, not fighting it, not turning from it, not trying to set up things in their life, that you say, look, I might have to go get two or three individuals to come talk to you with me. Matthew 18. Um, I may have to bring other people in. I don't want to. I want to keep this covered. I want to help you fight this. But if I don't see some desire, if I don't see some effort on your part out of concern for you, because I feel like blindness might be starting to set in, I may have to go get some individuals to come talk truth to you. That's what our accountability cards are all about. That if somebody is starting to wander into sin, that we go get individuals to speak truth to them that they will listen to. Okay? Um, what's the difference between gossip 
and seeking wisdom. And we've kind of hit on this a little bit already. There's times where you need to hash stuff out. You need to get some wisdom on how to handle a situation. Um, maybe Alex is in his accountability group and somebody's struggling with something and he just does not feel qualified to give them the wisdom and the counsel that he believes that they need. How can Alex get wisdom to better minister to somebody without falling into gossip? Let's look at some differences between gossip and seeking wisdom. Gossip is telling others that are not involved or closely connected to a situation. It's more news sharing than wisdom sharing. So how do I know if I'm faithfully seeking wisdom versus falling into gossip? One, we don't, we don't go to somebody who's not closely associated to the situation, who's not involved. We need to be careful that a lot of times we will go to people and uh, disguise our gossip in the form of prayer requests. You know, like, hey, I'm telling you this because I want you to pray for this person. And if we throw that card, well, it can't be gossip. Like, I'm here to pray for this person kind of thing. Gossip entertains rather than moves to action. To keep from being idle discussion, we're talking with somebody, and the intent is to move towards some type of action. I'm seeking wisdom because I'm going to go do something about this. I'm not just sharing information and telling you to pray about it, uh, knowing that you probably won't. That there's intent to do something with the discussion. So seeking wisdom, it's realizing that you need help in handling a situation. It's looking for help or advice to aid in ministering to someone. And you're only involving people that can offer valid help or advice. The difference between seeking wisdom and gossiping is that it's thought out. There's intentional thought about who I'm going to go talk to. There's a realization that I need to go talk to this person, not because I'm just sharing information. It's because I feel helpless. I don't know how to help this person. And I need wisdom to know how to better minister to this person. So how do we seek wisdom without gossiping? I told you I wanted to kind of give you a process that I want to see you guys go through. So if you want to jot this down somewhere, it would probably be good to do that. This is what I would want you to do. You're in an accountability group. Things are getting heavy because, I mean... Stuff starting to come out and, and you don't feel qualified to help this person fight their sin. How do you seek wisdom without falling into gossip? How do you hash it out with somebody without gossiping about somebody? First, you need to be seeking wisdom already by asking God. James 1 says, if any of you lacks wisdom that you're to ask, you're to pray to God who will give it to us. So one checkpoint for you. Am I going to gossip or am I going to seek wisdom? First question to ask yourself is, have I been praying for wisdom already from God? Have I, have I come to God and said, God, I'm trying to help so-and-so in their pursuit of you. And they are struggling and I feel helpless in knowing how to help them. Please give me wisdom and knowing the words to speak. Give me wisdom and knowing how to encourage them. How to help them fight these lies that they're believing about their sin. Have you already been faithful to seek wisdom from the one who gives liberally? That's one checkpoint. Because if you haven't asked God yet for wisdom, you're more than likely going for more motivation out of gossip than really seeking wisdom. Start with the one who can give uh, wisdom liberally. And that's by going to our Father. Second checkpoint. In seeking wisdom, make sure no parties involved would be upset about the situation being made known. Clear it with the person. 
You know, Alex is sitting there in his accountability group. Topi's sharing stuff with him. Alex is, man, man, I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know what to say right now. I love you. I'm concerned for you. I care about you. I hear what you're saying. Uh, I've, I've shared with you as much as I know how to from a counseling standpoint, but I'm at a loss as to where to go next. Are you okay if I talk to so-and-so? Are you okay if I go talk to so-and-so to get some advice? Are you okay if maybe both of us go to that person and talk to them about this to maybe seek some counsel and advice? But maybe it's a situation where uh, that person couldn't go. You know, maybe, maybe uh, Alex says, you know, I want to talk to so-and-so about this to get some advice and wisdom. Are you okay with that? You know, feel free to clear it with somebody before you go share it. That helps protect you from sharing it out of a different motivation. Third, in seeking wisdom, you should believe the person can help you with the situation. Don't go share it with somebody that you don't really believe would offer you good advice about how to handle it. If Alex is going to go talk to somebody about how to better minister to Topi, he needs to go to somebody that he believes that can help him. Somebody who knows more than him. Somebody who's got more experience with this. He doesn't go to a guy who got saved in our church a week ago and say, let me, let me, can you help me better minister to Topi? Guy's like, I'm still trying to figure out baptism. Like, you know. Like, you don't go to somebody who obviously cannot help the situation. Intently think through, who am I going to go to to talk to about this? Why am I going? Do I really believe they can help the situation? And have specifics in mind about what you're wanting this person to help you with. Why, why do you believe this person can help you with the situation? And then lastly, or not lastly, second to lastly... Any discussion regarding someone else should conclude with prayer for that person and the situation. Don't go to somebody, talk about somebody and a situation going on in their life, and then conclude it with, just be praying about that situation because I'm going to be praying too. Okay, great, now let's eat our Big Mac. End the discussion with prayer because what it does is it's going to protect you from the enemy taking the information that was given to this person who wasn't looking for it. You brought the information to that person. Help them fight the tendency to potentially now use it to gossip with somebody else by closing out that time with prayer. Don't just say, hey, pray for that person. Say, hey, will you join me in prayer for that person right now? Let that idle discussion not be idle. Move it to action. You came for the purpose of advice, so the intent is I'm going to go do something after talking with you. But allow both of you to do something right then and there by praying for that situation. Allow the Holy Spirit to definitely be present there to help guard from gossip happening. And then I would just put a note in there. Be faithful to proclaim the growth and good of others more than you seek wisdom to deal with the bad. We do need to become the type of people that are proclaiming good. Good things that are happening. Don't just be the person that only comes to talk to me about bad stuff. The tendency is you only come and talk to uh, a pastor or an elder when you need advice about handling a bad thing. Feel free to go to people and say, I just want to encourage you about what's going on in so-and-so's life. And it's just good. Like, this is This is happening. These type of things are happening. This person has been, has been faithfully sharing the gospel at, at work. 
and, and, and they're seeing uh, good conversations that are flowing out of this. We need, to, we need to become the type of people that are entertained, that enjoy hearing that type of stuff, more so than the stuff that our flesh wants to hear. Now that leads to a question that's important for some of us in this room, and Lord willing will be important for everybody in this room at some point. How much information should my spouse be allowed to know in regards to what's going on in my accountability group? How much information should my spouse or my boyfriend or my girlfriend know about what's going on in the lives of my friends? Now, this is a, this is a delicate situation for us as elders, uh, but it's also going to become more of a delicate situation as we're trying to incorporate everybody into accountability. The approach that I've, I've always taken with Lauren is that I do my best not to share any information with her that would not fall into this helpful category. I talk to her when I feel like she can help me with the situation. But I try to guard her and protect her from just giving her negative information about people in our church. Because I know it will shape her perspective. So if, if me and Jesse are meeting for, for accountability stuff, I can't go home and tell Lauren, Jesse struggles with this and this and this and this. Because Lauren doesn't get to, to spend, um, obviously Lauren doesn't spend a lot of one-on-one time with Jesse to see all the good in Jesse's life. She doesn't go fishing with Jesse. So if, if I'm communicating negative stuff to, to Lauren, she's going to come to church and see Jesse and say, oh, Jesse struggles with that. Jesse does this. Jesse was doing this. Like that's what she begins to think. And so I want to guard my spouse and only have her know information about stuff like this if it's helpful to her, if it involves her, if it doesn't involve her. If it's not helpful for her, then she doesn't need to know it any more so than anybody else in our church. Now, sometimes we, we fall into this thing, well, be honest with your spouse, tell them everything. And honest, obviously, I believe we've got to be honest with our, with our husbands, honest with our wives. But we've also got to filter that through. Is this information helpful? I don't want guys in our church feeling like if they tell me something that Lauren automatically will always know it. If it's not helpful for her, if she's not involved in the situation, then she probably doesn't need to know it. And see, I think it's even, it's even easier to justify gossip with a spouse. Hey, I'm just going to share this, hash this out with you, share this information type of thing. And it can easily become gossip when the two of you are just sitting around talking about people. If it's not moving you to action, if there's not counsel and advice coming out of it, then it probably should be avoided. Last question that I wanted to kind of throw at you guys, or question to help answer for you guys. What should I do if I find somebody gossiping? You're in line at McDonald's. Somebody wants to come up and start gossiping to you. How do you handle it? One, I don't want us to all of a sudden become the gossip police and just start calling everybody out when you think they're gossiping. I don't think that's helpful. So, you know, a couple of guys are sitting around, somebody else walks up and says, starts sharing something. We don't need people saying, hey, quit gossiping. 
Um, at least not right now. I don't, I don't want us to become the, the gossip police because we're still trying to figure out exactly what gossip is. So don't blow somebody up and make them look silly in front of everybody else by saying, hey, did you not listen to Adam? Don't gossip. You're you trying to bring your idle discussion in here. We don't want it. Get out of here. Like, don't, don't, don't go to the extreme where you're holier than everybody else and you know how to talk to people and this person doesn't and you're going to call it out. Because more than likely, it's probably motivated out of, let me just show everybody right here. I know what gossip is. This guy, this guy's bringing it. I'm going to purify our discussion right here and stop it. Don't be that guy, at least not right now. Okay? Don't be immediate application guy and, and let the flesh take over and you're the gossip police for Sovereign Hope Church. Okay? So I, I think some practical things to do to start moving our church away from any gossip that maybe has been tolerated is one, if you realize you're thinking in your mind, eh, this is gossipy, then change the subject. Work to change the subject. You can, you, can, you can deter gossip, you can stop gossip by not participating in it. And the person will probably get the hint when you're not, when you're not participating in the topic that they wanted to deal with. Change the subject. Seek to change, as we are all trying to learn how to stop being gossips, work to change the subject when you feel like, hey, this is starting to go down the gossip road. Just change the subject. Um, Seek to pray about the situation. Somebody brings information to you and and it's going down the gossip situation, going down the gossip scenario. Then stop and say, hey, let's pray about that. Let's pray about this person. Let's pray about this situation. Uh, that, That throws up a red flag of, oh, I wasn't even thinking about praying about this. But you're right. We should probably pray about this. And it kind of squashes the, the whole gossip thing that was about to happen. Pray for the situation. Stop it and pray for it. Or ask what help you're going to be able to offer in knowing this. You know, somebody comes to you and say, hey, I realize that this is obviously a concern on your part. Like, I realize that you're, you're definitely involved in this. Is there any way that you think that I can help in this situation? Person's like, no, like I don't think you can help with this at all. I'm just telling it to you. Eh, let's don't let's don't talk about it then. If you don't feel like I can help in this situation, if you don't feel like I have anything to offer, if you're not looking for advice or counsel that you feel like I have, then let's just change the subject because I don't I don't want I don't think I I, don't, I need to know that information. That person probably wouldn't want me to know that. There's some ways to handle it without being uh, the gossip police. Change the subject. Seek to pray about it. Ask what help this person wanted from you. You know, we're all kind of, we should all, everybody that's here should be on the same page with that. People that aren't here, I'm trusting you guys to share some of this with them. Hey, we talked about gospel on Sunday. You weren't there. Here's some practical things that Adam was sharing. We can fight this together. Change the subject. Seek to pray about it. Ask specifically, how do you think I can help in this situation? We can fight gossip that way. Um, any thoughts or questions about any of that? Not a typical sermon today, more just talking about it. Feel free to text your questions in, too, if you want to.
Right. Right. <laughs> so and so doesn't look at pornography anymore. It's so great. You're like, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I thought about it as we were talking about it. That uh, obviously don't turn it into. Let me share with you the news that I wish I could have give you when it was going on, but now I will since it's not bad news. But it's yeah, absolutely. Um. <laughs> Here's a texted in question. Do you think it's always necessary to clear info with someone before seeking and sharing for counsel? Um, I thought about this, too, when I was I was sharing it. Um, my initial thought is not necessarily. Um, I think specific. It, it, it probably needs to be understood that. Elders will always have a lot of information about the church. It's it's necessary for us to shepherd and lead and minister. Um, so I think when some, I, I definitely think that somebody can come to church leadership for advice and counsel about something, and it's not necessarily required that that person knows that Alex came and talked to me about it. It should be kind of understood to some degree that. It's good to seek wisdom. It's good to seek counsel. I think it would probably depend on how specific and how serious the situation was. So if we're dealing with something real personal, you know, let's say somebody's in a group and and it comes out that so-and-so struggles with an eating disorder. uh, That's probably one you're going to want to clear. You know, hey, I'm thinking about going and talking to Jen or Denise or Lauren about so-and-so who's struggling with their eating disorder. That's a personal, private, probably took a lot for them to confess that in the group. Probably going to want to clear that one. Um, somebody else is, is struggling with a parental relationship, something like that, that maybe is not as potentially embarrassing if, if other people knew about it. I think that's something that uh, if I happen to be in the presence of somebody, didn't necessarily set it up, but me and so-and-so are driving around, and it's like, oh, I think so-and-so could help me a ton with what I've been trying to help Topi with. And so Alex brings it up and says, hey, man, I've been, I've been working with Topi about this. He's really struggling with uh, just some stuff with his mom. Like he's just having a hard time uh, listening to her, doing something you know, that she's wanting him to do, something like that. I think you could bring it up on the spot and it not be something that, hey, let me call Topi real quick and make sure he's okay with you knowing this. Uh, I, I think definitely in cases of something that could be perceived as embarrassing, that could definitely be used hurtfully towards somebody, that that information probably needs to be cleared. Um, Ms. Carolyn? Yeah, that's great too. Yeah. So you could say, would I be okay 
if somebody else shared this about me with somebody without me knowing, or would I definitely want them to clear it with me? That's a, that's a good guideline. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if it's a situation where I'm trying to help you fight it and you're not really showing a desire to fight this. I mean, I think you could still say, I'm going to tell the elders about this or I'm going to go tell stones about this. But if they're, yeah, if they're like, I don't want you to, it's kind of like uh, I wasn't asking permission. I was informing you that I'm going to get help because you're not you're not fighting this. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a good point, too. Yeah, absolutely. You 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 need to become a better minister by by seeking to grow on your own, and that's why you know we want you studying the word on your own. You know, growing up in your faith so that you become the type of people that don't have to go get advice about everything. I think also talking with with others in your group that are already aware of the information. You know, so um, Alex finds somebody else in his group and says, "Hey." What are some better ways that we can help encourage Topi right now? He's obviously struggling. We know the situation. We're, we're completely aware of it. Topi knows you're aware of it. So we can talk about it and try to grow up together in, it, in seeking out um, our own advice through Scripture and through other resources before we have to bring somebody else into it. It goes back to let's keep this as confidential as we can, but if, if necessary, will bring appropriate people into it to help ultimately see this person find victory. Other questions or thoughts that that gave you as we were talking through some of that? Right. That's true. Yeah, most of us aren't going to react good to being called out to, to being a gossip. There's better ways to inform me that that's what I was doing, for sure. Any other thoughts or um, any thoughts on like whether you think this is going, what we've talked about today can really help us in avoiding this? Because um, I know Maggie shared... She came out of a, a situation where, you know, this was not necessarily a good thing. And 
it was used in a, in a destructive way at times, people sharing information. Do we feel like if, if, we, if we're doing the things that we talked about today that it's going to help us be protected from gossip? Is it going to help create an environment where I feel like I can be open and honest with you about what's going on in my life uh, because I know that these are the type of things we're committing to do together? Any thoughts on that? Think through, a big way to fight against gossip is planning. You know, I'm not just randomly, idly discussing this. I've thought through who I'm going to go to, why I think they're a help, and then even thinking through what am I go- how much am I going to share with them. Do they even need to know the name of the person? You know, a lot of times they don't. You know, you can a lot of times avoid sharing the person's name and still get the information that you need. Now, sometimes it is relevant to who the person is, other things that this person would know about that would help in the advice giving. Uh, but being uh, vague about some details that's going to help protect the person that aren't necessary, that you can still get what you need from that person as far as advice and counsel. That's all stuff that gets thought through. If you're intentionally going through all those steps, planning and thinking through, I can almost guarantee you will not fall into gossip. That if you're praying about it beforehand, you've thought through who you're going to go to, you've thought through what you're going to say to them, you've thought through why you think they can help, you've thought through what to leave out, more often than not, it's going to be helpful to everybody involved, and it's not going to be gossip. And it's going to protect you and your motivations for why you're even bringing it up. Any other thoughts? Tyson actually asked me this the other day, too. He's like, sometimes I just need to vent. Yeah, um, oh, I thought you meant in, like, your, like... No, in, in our discussion. Okay. Because your group met already, right? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that's what you were talking about. Um, let me think on that some this week, because we'll probably discuss this a little bit more next week, too. And we'll touch on that one. All right, here's how I want us to kind of close out today. I'm going to, um, I want to lead us in a time of 